So you go double kibasi? It's been known to happen. Holy crap! I mean, I can see you taking two kibasis at once in college, but probably not on a sandwich. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. It's been brought to my attention that the head of the Department of Player Safety, George Peros, was at the PPG Paints Arena today to talk to the Penguins. He's making his rounds. Here's hoping that the Capitals stuck behind to hear what he had to say. Well, here's hoping that at least Tom Wilson stuck around. Wait a second, did they actually bring Tom Wilson? Anybody know? Anybody know? Hey, Tom Hanks was there. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina not with me today. Shirtless Tom back in the studio behind the glass. We are live at the Carson City Saloon. The Bud Light Happy Hour will be taking place from 6 o'clock until 7, and then you get a bonus hour of Crowley as I'll be hanging out with Phil Bork from 7 o'clock to 8 for Along the Boards. Or is it Around the Boards? It's something about the boards. We'll have it from 7 to 8 right here from the Carson City Saloon. The Penguins want to score 10 goals, and that's how they want to beat you. But five should have been good enough for last night. I don't care about this for the first game. I'll get into this coming up. At 440, Stan today was saying, you can't win like that consistently. Mike Sullivan today was saying, you can't win like that consistently. Rob King on the post-game show and in between intermissions yesterday was saying, you can't win like that consistently, and I get it. I don't care about this in October. I love fire wagon hockey. But there will be a time when the Penguins needed to win that game 5-4. to four. Malkin's turnover that set up Oshie for goal number five was just atrocious. If he's a fourth-line player, if it's Sprong who does that, he's getting nailed to the bench for the rest of the month. But he's Evgeny Malkin, and he giveth and he taketh away. That was gross. you got to sit on that lead. you got to run the clock out like you've got a better back than James Conner. What? This team gets greedy. And you know what? I love it right now. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Grew up watching Lemieux and Yager. Paul Coffey putting the puck in the back of the net. That's the kind of hockey I like. That being said, last night's overall game was sloppy. The Penguins really did not do a good job of being disciplined. They didn't pinch at the right times. The forwards were getting greedy. And as Mike Sullivan did say today in his press conference, if they play that game ten times, channeling Herb Brooks, they might win five. It's not a consistent approach. It's not the way to succeed in April. It's not the way to succeed in May. Luckily for everyone involved, it's October. The Penguins win. They move on with the two points. I'm sure they'll take it. How about the Penguins' third line? Uh, I'm infatuated. I got a big for Broussard. He had six shots. Rust had three. Dominic Simone had two. They were great possession-wise. They turned the game around. We're going to hear from Jesse Marshall coming up at 420. He might be the only guy who's got a bigger for the Penguins' third line than I do. But, boy, did they look good. And I just love the way that they all play together. 
Broussard is a north-south kind of player. He will play defensively responsible, but he's an agitated kind of guy. He can get it done around the net. Dominic Simone's always seeming to be on the right side of the puck. He also finds his way around the net at times. And Derek Broussard, or pardon me, Brian Rust, that guy goes to the net like he doesn't care what happens to him. That guy's willing to lose his head going to the front of the net, and he's not a huge guy. I love that line. I know Mike Sullivan loves that line. And you got to feel good for Derek Broussard. You really do. He had such a terrible year last year with the Penguins because of injury, adjusting to the system, adjusting to different line mates, and then coming back in the playoffs and having a tough time with all those things. He talks about everything. Seth Rohrbaugh wrote in The Athletic that the only thing that he won't talk about, Derek Broussard, is the injury from last year. You can talk to him about anything. He's kind of like Chuck Noll. He's the Renaissance man. He will not talk about the injury, and he's ready to put it in the rearview mirror. He gets the goal. They were monopolizing the puck. I think we could put it behind him now. And I think that third line is going to be key, and it has to be key if the Penguins want to win the championship. You know who else needs to be key if the Penguins want to win the cup again? Chris Flippin Latang. Now, there were some good, there were some bad. Like Malkin, Latang giveth, Latang taketh away. Or I guess yesterday, uh, Latang giveth to the Capitals, and then Latang taketh the momentum away from the Capitals later in the game. Latang and Dumoulin left Alexander Ovechkin wide open in front of Matt Murray for a great eight tip in goal. Latang also had a misread that led to an odd man rush. TJ Oshie had the puck. That's never good. Now, the new boards at PBG Paints Arena likely kind of F with them a little bit. We'll get into the boards a little bit later as well. Murray and others had to learn on the fly and react to them all night. But Latang also scored in a pass from Sid to open the second period. He also set up Gino cross-iced after the power play expired for the Malkin tally. That was sick. And Latang, I think, did a really good job when paired up against Alexander Ovechkin all night. He's been a tough matchup for Ovi over the years because he can skate with them. And Latang, while being able to skate with him, is also physical enough to be able to muscle him off the puck. After all the talk about pulling back the minutes for Latang, he also played a team-high 25-41 at ice time. And, of course, he scored the game-winning goal in overtime. It's tough to really take anything from a game like last night that resembled 1980s fire wagon hockey, although with probably less fundamentals. But Latang said he's 1 million percent better than where he was last year. And after a rough first period, I thought it showed. He's such a huge part of this team, and if he can be anything like what he was prior to last year, that's going to be huge. That being said, it would be nice to see him clean up some of the first period type stuff. That's always going to be part of Latang's game, but make it few and far between. It's the kind of player he is. He will gamble. He will take risks. Big picture, if Latang is that guy all season long, the Penguins are President's Trophy capable. Not that you're shooting for that, but that's how good this team is. And the trickle-down effect on the defense will be palpable. Let's see if he can build on it, limit some mistakes against Montreal tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena. Oh, hey, the Steelers play on Sunday. It's a big one. They're 1-2-1. One, and one. one more loss, and you start to think, those playoffs, they don't look that reasonable with the schedule the Steelers have the rest of the way, which is the second toughest in the entire National Football League at this point. Atlanta, they're 1-3. and three. 
they don't want to lose this game, fall to one and four, because then their playoff hopes look to be dwindling in a division that's got the Carolina Panthers and, of course, the New Orleans Saints, who I think might be one of the best three or four teams in football. So it is a playoff game tomorrow, at, or pardon me, Sunday at Heinz Field. And I think it's time for the team to put their big boy pants on and come away with a game that you need to have. Not only does the team need to put the big boy pants on, but how about James Conner? Time for the Steelers to trust him. Time for the Steelers to get a push up front. Time for the Steelers to run the damn ball. Now I realize I probably sound a little bit like Tunch and Wolf or the 70s Steelers fans that wear bandanas and ride at the games on Harley Davidson's. You got to run the football and play great defense. Well, this team's not capable of playing great defense. Therefore, run the ball, keep the Atlanta offense off the field. Now, only do it to the point where it works if you're scoring. Uh, You don't want to just hold the ball and be kicking field goals because that's not going to help you against Atlanta either. But running the football will open things up through the air, I think, with Antonio Brown. It might open things up to take their first deep shots of the year to James Washington. It's going to open some things up in the tight end passing game where Jesse James and Vance McDonald have both been very good. You need to run the ball, and James Conner hadn't had his big boy pants on since he played against the Cleveland Browns. And I know that you're loath to be critical of him because he's not Le'Veon Bell, and he's the guy who beat cancer at Pitt, and you love the script, and you love his story, and I love his story too. Couldn't care less about Pitt, but I love the story. That doesn't mean you can't be critical of him. And just because he's not the villain that Le'Veon Bell is doesn't mean you can't look at him and think, boy, I expected better. And after seeing what he was capable of in the first game against Cleveland, he is capable of more. 3.03 yards per carry since that game. They had the ball for eight minutes in the second half against the Baltimore Ravens. Here's a little spoiler alert. If they have the ball for eight minutes against Atlanta in the second half, the Falcons will score 34 or 35 points in the half. Steelers will give up 70 if they possess the ball for 16 minutes against that team. So running the football helps. And not only does running help itself by tolling the clock, it also helps because I think it opens up a plethora of other things, including play action in the possession passing game, which also keeps the sand going through the hourglass. I think the theme of today's show is big boy pants. I mean, I'm not one to really talk about big boy pants. I'm wearing skinny jeans right now, as I always am. But can Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt please put on the big boy pants? You need your best players to be the best players right now. Will the real Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt please stand up? One sack between the two of them. You go back to the Jacksonville playoff game last year, not a tackle for loss between the two of them or a sack to be found in that game where you knew, you knew that the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to try to run the ball with Leonard Fournette. They have not been good since that game. They're supposed to be the two best players on the Steelers' defense. Matt Ryan's been sacked ten times. He throws the ball a bunch. But 10 sacks through four games means you can get to this guy. It's more than two a game. Butler was stubborn in his game plan against the Baltimore Ravens. It was rush four, rush three. Don't get beat deep. This was after the first quarter, first half. And you're going to have to beat us with death by a thousand cuts. 
And Baltimore was more than capable of doing that. They protected well. The Steelers barely got a hand on them. And, well, that's what leads to them having 22 minutes time of possession in the second half. If you're going to have that strategy, if you're going to drop eight, if you're going to drop seven, if you're going to rush four, rush three, you need to create some pressure, preferably up the middle, put your big mitts up, make him go to his second or third read, put your hands in his face, and Cam Hayward and Stephon it. they're the guys that need to be able to do that. You want to see more from T.J. Watt. Bud Dupree's been the far superior player since week number one. That should not make Steelers fans happy. The switch seems to not be doing the things that the Steelers wanted it to do for young T.J. Watt. But those guys, whatever, they're going to be up and down. Bud Dupree's not a consistent player. T.J. Watt is in year number two. He's shown that he can be very good. He's also shown that he can be invisible for stretches. He's in one of those stretches right now. I don't expect much from them. I expect everything from Cam Hayward. I expect everything from Stephon Tuitt. If this defense wants to be successful at all, you have to get this quarterback on the ground. Because the weapons, the Steelers simply can't cover. They can't cover anyone. They sure as bleep can't cover Mohamed Sanu, Calvin Ridley, and oh yeah, by the way, Julio Jones, who's playing like their second wide receiver right now, who might be the best wide receiver in the game. They can't cover anybody. They're going to cover those three. No, you got to get the quarterback on the ground. you got to keep them behind and down in distance by stopping the run, and that all starts up front. Here's some other bad news for Steelers fans. Devontae Freeman's going to play in this game. Been out for a while. If he's good enough to play, I'm sure he'll be good enough to burn the Steelers. Get to the quarterback. Create some negative plays. Get him behind down in distance and force him to punt two or three times. You might just win the game. Coming up next, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joins us to talk about how great the Penguins' third line was last night and to also discuss those bouncy boards at PPG Paints Arena. It's Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. What happened to Cooch? I don't know how many times I'm allowed to say Cooch before I get in trouble, so you're fine. I'm good? That's K-U-C-H. Yeah, nothing wrong with Cooch. No! Adam Crowley. Cooch be good. I love Cooch, in fact. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Penguins victorious last night over the Washington Capitals. 7-6 in OT. Sidney Crosby draws the penalty. And Chris Letang says good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Penguins get the two points. And yes, it wasn't pretty. Except, well, when it was pretty. Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joining us now to discuss. Jesse, it's been a while, man. How'd the long offseason treat you? Are you a million percent better like Chris Letang? I am. I'm feeling in the best shape of my life. Oh, man. We're going to have a tremendous beginning of the season here. Jesse, before we get to anything else, then be some bouncy boards at PPG Paints Arena, no? Little crazy stanchions out there, I think, yeah. Um yeah, I don't think Matt Murray was expecting that, and I, it, the players talked about it, you know, at, at a somewhat of a decent length last night after the game. That um, you know, the, the boards are, as they say in hockey, Adam, lively. Those are some lively boards. Uh, so, you know, we probably ought to have a discussion at some point about how the ice at PPG, PPG Paints Arena is not all that great either. Sucks. Uh, I think for a, I think it's for a team like the Penguins that has such a skill game, likes to get up ice quickly and. Uh, you know, make fancy moves with the puck. That that extra snow 
on the surface is certainly hampering their ability to do that. And I think when you throw in the fact that the boards are lively, there's probably going to be a little bit more entertainment in that department than we would have liked this year. Yeah, I think so too. And I know that the UPMC Lemunis. Lemuni. I just combined Lemieux and Rooney. Wow. It really is Penguin and Steelers season. I know the UPMC Rooney. Uh, Jesus, Lemieux Sports Complex is his birthday. Uh, I know that they love it out there and it's beautiful and all that. Maybe practice a little bit more at PBG Paints. I, uh, I, I think that, that I have absolutely, I want to be clear that I have absolutely no inside information on this whatsoever. But <laughs> and I probably talked about it way too long already. But here's what I think, though. I think you got the whole front of that building is glass, right? And it, for large portions of the day, the sun is just beating down on that building. And I mean, even if, like, anytime you have the sun beating down on glass, I don't care if it's winter or not, like, that, that's going to present, you know, a heat problem and a humidity problem inside the building. And I, I can't help but wonder if that's part of the equation here. And that's maybe like a design flaw that nobody thought about. Because when I, that's a state of the art arena, Adam. So when you think about what, how you diagnose the ice problems, and they brought in Dan Craig multiple times, who's the NHL's ice expert. And I think even Dan Craig's kind of thrown his hands up and they were like, I don't know what to do. Uh, so it's a state-of-the-art arena. It's just crazy to me that it, it, this has you know, been symptomatic for this team now over the course of the last how many years that arena has been open that, that they're, they're playing on. You know, could you imagine what the Penguins would look like if they had the same ice that Vancouver has? Um, my goodness, you, we might all be having heart attacks from uh, the excitement we get offensively, but they have to make do with what they have, and everybody has to play on that surface. Um, it's probably just not something they'd prefer to have to deal with. Before we get to the micro and look at some of the players involved in last night's game and projecting them forward a little bit, Jesse, the style of last night's game overall, I mean, it was sloppy. There's no doubt about it, but there was world-class talent on display, and I know Mike Sullivan doesn't like it. Uh, I know he says that if they played that game ten times, they're only going to win five of them, and that's not great process. That's not the way you want to coach things up. I know Rob King was saying it on the post-game show, and Stan was saying it on his show today. It's not the way you play the game. Man, it's the first game of the season. It's October hockey. I'm actually kind of happy I got to see that. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, I think that the main problem for the Penguins as a whole was just the, their ability to take care of the puck. I mean, I think you go back to the to the first of the two Oshie goals that tied that game up. It's just a bad giveaway by Malkin. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a situation where Malkin made a turn uh, on the play, uh, thought he had something there, and it was gone in an instant. Uh, and I think that I think the Penguins, Adam, I don't think that they were careless in the first period when they started to hemorrhage goals. I think they got a couple bad bounces, and there were a few de- decisions that didn't really go as well as they could have. I think those were more man-marking issues, mm-hmm. though, at the end of the game. Uh, specifically as they were closing that third period out, I thought that's when the sloppy puck management really came into play. Um, and that, look, I think any time the Penguins struggle and any time they find themselves in situations like last night where they're, you're, you're in a 7-6 situation and the, uh, the score is just outrageous, that's more often than not the culprit for them. Um, you know, it, it's, it's fine to want to get up ice as quickly as you can, and it's fine to want to kickstart the breakout really fast, but you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. Um, and I think for Mike Sullivan last night was just a little bit too much of the wrong way. Uh, and I would expect, I think given what we saw from the team overall, I would expect them to be able to remedy that Saturday night if they could just take an extra second with the puck, uh, make smart decisions, and, and not aid the other team's breakout, as Mike Sullivan would put it. Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joining us here on the Crowley Show. I think the only guy who is more excited about the Penguins' third line than me is you, uh, Broussard, oh, Rust, Simone. Man, uh, you, you said a couple times on Twitter last night that they changed the complexion of that game, and my God, did they ever. Uh, why do you think that those three are clicking so quickly? 
They're just so annoying to play against. <laughs> um, that's the you know you think about you know playing beer league you know with your friends. Um, that line is like the group of guys that show up and try way too hard when you're just trying to go out and have a beer after the game and not get hurt um, as a 35 year old. So you know I think that uh, for me, a the speed that line across the board has speed. Everybody on that line can skate uh, and look. For me, what what I enjoyed watching it the most, and this is the I guess the hockey purist in me, is how well the, they they establish possession in the offensive zone, and how well they use the area behind the net to exploit deficiencies in the other team's defense. Um, and I call it the old triangle, Adam. You got one guy behind the net, and then two players on either side of the cage in front with two passing options available, and it it really is a system I think that uses up all the resources of the opposition. Um, and it was a no-nonsense approach from them last night. I think any time they stepped on the ice, they were getting the puck deep. Uh, they, weren't gonna, uh, they weren't taking chances uh, at having the puck get turned over, and they were forechecking along the wall with support so well that the Capitals were just overwhelmed. And it almost, I think at times when that third line came out on the ice, it almost looked like a playoff game. when the temp- You could discernibly see the tempo of the game adjust. And when that line stepped on the ice, the Capitals knew they were in for a workload. Um, That, to me, is is huge because the Penguins, all year last year, Adam, never had that. They never had that third line. Not to say that their third lines were bad, not to say that they they, they didn't get good uh, analytics or, you know, possession numbers out of them at time to time. Uh, But overall, for the course of the season, that element was something that they lacked. Uh, So for me, I think what you got out of Derek Broussard last night is a much more accurate representation of what he's going to bring you over the course of the year. Uh, and I think that I think we've found a spot for Dominic Simone because uh, I think anybody would tell you that, that he's a competent player. Uh, but is he a fit for the top line? Probably not. Uh, I, I think that they found a home for him and as a player that they can get something out of moving forward on that unit. I think Broussard is very clearly pissed off for greatness right now, man. The, the way that last year ended for him, the way that it ended for the Penguins, but explicitly, uh, specifically, Jesus, God, I can't talk today, for him uh, being injured and not playing well, uh, I think he really wants to show that the guy that you got here in Pittsburgh is the guy that I've been throughout my entire career, not the guy who played last year. Similarly, Chris Letang, boy, he was pure Chris Letang last night, was he not? Ovechkin's in front of the net with an easy tip in there. There are a couple of other moments in the game that I don't think were kind to Chris Letang, but then some other spectacular moments from Letang, and uh, it looks like he might be more the player he was before. And hey, look, we're getting into a conversation about intangibles here, Adam, but did he not look more confident last night? I, I mean, I, I have to answer that question, yes. And I think that uh, you know his most egregious mistake of the evening, I believe it was the Capitals' second goal where uh, he had an opportunity to make a play with the puck, and he just whacked it off the wall uh, and tried to clear the zone. Didn't get it high enough, um, and it went right to the point, and then the Capitals score seconds later. So that it almost, to me, seemed like Latang worked it out of his system in the first period. Because um, if you watch that first period, you see a lot of the same mistakes you saw last season. Right. Uh, not, not really cognizant of what was happening around him, kind of poor in the neutral zone, taking some pinches that you probably wouldn't want to see him take. But as that game wore on and the more minutes he got, you started to see him become that usual old version of himself where he's starting the rush, getting shot opportunities, pinching in to make great plays, controlling breakouts. That, that was a classic Latang performance. And I think that if 
if you get that same out of him for the rest of the year, that does nothing but bolster your opportunity to win another Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And I think that version of him is something the Penguins are sorely missing last season. And to, to see that kind of performance out of the gate, one game in, uh, that should take a little that Everybody should take a deep breath. Uh, and <laughs> the, the, the Latang detractors uh, take a step back for a second and, and watch this thing unfold. Because for all he said and all he's done in the offseason, uh, I think there's. I think he's got a little something special brewing for everybody this year. Maybe he's pissed off for greatness too. Jesse Marshall from the Athletic joining us here on the Crowley Show. What'd you think of Jack Johnson's first time in a regular season game in a Penguin sweater? If I had a hat, I'd eat it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't answer my question. What did I ask? Every, everybody serve him. Anybody wants to serve me up a hot plate of crow? I, honestly, Adam, I'll tell you what. He was unbelievable. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. I think he was the best defenseman on the team last night. Whoa. Uh, I, 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 look, you give it. He, he didn't have the offensive impact that Latang did, but I thought defensively speaking, throughout the course of the evening, his gaps were strong. He was good in front of the net. He made safe breakout passes. You even saw him join the rush a couple times as Braden Holtby had stolen, stoned him on a breakaway in the third period. Um, I, I went into the post game analysis last night, Adam, expecting to see. Uh, I knew that Jack Johnson had positive results. I knew that in terms of like uh, scoring chance share and shot attempt share, that he was one of the leaders on the team last night. And I expected to go look at his results and see that Mike Sullivan deployed him primarily against the Capitals' third and fourth lines heavily in the offensive zone. What I found, Adam, was the exact opposite. Mike Sullivan only started Jack Johnson 36% of the time in the offensive zone. He took a ton of defensive zone starts against the Capitals' second line. To produce the results that he did last night in that environment says a lot to me. Uh, because I think if you look at the path that Jamie Oleksiak has taken in Pittsburgh, if you look at the path that such as Justin Schultz has taken in Pittsburgh to kind of getting back to basics, they were fed easy starts. And Mike Sullivan and the coaching staff gave them situations that they were confident that they could handle. You know, third and fourth line minutes, uh, giving them a lot of good looks in the offensive zone. Um, I mean, you think about this from the perspective of a defenseman, Adam. The reason I bring up zone starts is if you're a defenseman and you start the, the, a shift in your defensive zone for a faceoff and the team loses it, you're now at risk to look worse in a little because the other team controls right. the puck in your zone right out of the gate. Uh, so when you want to shelter a guy, you generally keep him out of those situations. Mike Sullivan unequivocally, Adam, did not do that last night. They deployed Jack Johnson as if they had every bit of confidence in him to go out there and shut that game down, and that's exactly what he did. So, look, sample size, right? One game out of 82. The wheels could fall off this thing Saturday and never get put back on, uh, but I think considering the reaction to the signing, I think everybody should feel pretty good about what they saw out of him last night. And the great thing is the Penguins seem to have solid depth at the blue line. Rico Live, everyone loves that guy. Uh, we'll see him. I kind of wanted to see him last night in a Penguin sweater. I was a little bit rooting for Dumoulin not to play, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> he he did play, and fine. But I, I can't wait to get a chance to see him during the regular season. And Chad Ruedel, I, I don't think, is a stiff either. Uh, last couple of things for Jesse Marshall, one of our favorites from The Athletic here on the Crowley Show. I, I love the fourth line construction, and I love the ability to for Riley Shane to just say, you know what, I'm going to jump every damn face off. I'm going to be aggressive, and that's going to lead to me winning a bunch of them. And if I get kicked out, then okay, so be it. Matt Cullen will be the guy who will get in the face-off dot. I love that. I, I think that that is probably maybe at this point being over-discussed, but it's just a little nuance that this team is much better at than 
last year's team. I brought it up on Twitter the other day. Greg McKegg, oh, God. And Carter Rowney, oh, God. <laughs> Third and fourth line centers. Now they've got six NHL centers that they can plug in whenever they want. Sure, and, and like Tom Kunackle, you know, laid his heart out for the team, but he also just got cut from the New York Islanders, Adam. So what does that tell you? You know, I mean, I, I think that says a lot. Um, the fourth line didn't have the best night they've ever had. Uh, they struggled in certain areas last night, and I think that Mike Sullivan, with all the special teams play that you saw during that game, had struggled getting them in a rhythm. Um, but I, I think the makeup of it, like you said, is, is great, and especially when it comes to uh, Riley Shane and, and Matt Cullen. I think the problem is is that right now you have Daniel Sprong on that line who doesn't really fit in with either of those players and only played six minutes last night. So, you know, this Sprong situation, it shouldn't be the problem of the fourth line. It shouldn't be a fourth line problem. But given how well everybody else played, listen, what are you going to do? You know, there's clearly something that Mike Sullivan is looking at when it comes to Daniel Sprong that he just doesn't like. I don't know what that is. I, I haven't been able to figure it out. Uh, you know, you got to let the shooters shoot, and I don't think the Penguins have really put them in a position to do that. We obviously look great, you know, assisting on Jake Gensel's uh, goal on the power play in the second unit. Um, but that, to me, is the only weird part of that fourth line is that you've got the sniper on it uh, playing with two other guys who want to get the puck deep and grind it out on the board. So watching how that makeup kind of continues to work throughout the year is going to be interesting, and I do think the Penguins have options, whether those options be – you know, a guy like Jimmy Hayes or, or Zach Aston Reese coming up and filling in uh, on that fourth line if, if Daniel Sprong were to get moved up. Um, organizationally, like you said, the depth is the, be- the depth is the best that it's ever been, uh, I think, in the Sullivan era. Uh, and they, they've got a lot of options available to them. Yeah, it's nasty right now, and the Penguins will take on Montreal coming up tomorrow night. Really appreciate the time. As always, Jesse, you're one of our favorites around here, so uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do this a bunch throughout the season. Until you say no, I'm going to keep asking. That's the way it's going to go. That's, yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to say no, so we, we just... That's worse. We're pro- look, we just solved the problem, Adam, right there, right live on the air. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> Anytime you want to have me, I'm there. Thanks a lot, Jesse, man. Alright, thank you. Take care. That's Jesse Marshall from The Athletic, one of my favorites. They do a lot of good stuff over there, football and hockey-wise. They got three solid damn hockey writers with Seth Rorba, Josh Yoey, and, of course, with Jesse Marshall, who breaks things down both analytically and film-wise. Coming up next, it ain't all about the Penguins today. Trying to go 50-50 split, although Mike Leach says "Eh, 50-50 doesn't necessarily mean balance. It's time for the Steelers to protect Heinz Field. I'll tell you why it's important coming up. It's Crowley Show. Tweet Adam at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh, no, finish your tweet. It's not, that's not, just give us a second. There you go. Hashtag it. This is the Adam Crowley Show on 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. My heart wants to talk penguins, but my successful radio brain, and I am highly successful, wants to talk Steelers because there's a huge stanking game coming up on Sunday, 1 o'clock. Steelers, Falcons, loser goes home. Loser does not survive. It's a must win. And I know that we make fun of that a lot on this show. Is this game a must win? Is that game a must win? Is this game a must win? Is that game a must win? It is, and here's why. It's time for the Steelers to protect freaking Hinesfield. Because if they don't, they ain't making the playoffs. And not just this game, but moving forward. They've been terrible there. How much of our conversation over the last 
two, three years when the Steelers have not been successful has circled around road Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of it, I dare say. The Ben Roethlisberger has not been the same quarterback on the road as he's been at home. Funny thing is, now the Steelers haven't been good at home of late. They've given up 24 or more points in their last seven home games. Their last three home games, they've been down a combined 56 nothing. 21 nothing to Jacksonville, 21 nothing to the Kansas City Chiefs, 14 nothing against the Baltimore Ravens. When have you ever seen the Patriots deal with something like that? And I know you don't always want to be comparing Mike Tomlin to Bill Belichick and Ben Roethlisberger to Tom Brady. They're the best of all time for a reason. I get it. But you don't see Aaron Rodgers at home being down by 56 combined points over three weeks. It just doesn't happen. All right, maybe you don't like the Rodgers comparison. When do you see the Atlanta Falcons down that much at home? Now, any team with a good quarterback shouldn't be down three scores before they start playing. So the Steelers have to get it together at home because it's going to be tough for them on the road. They go to Oakland. They go to Denver. They go to Jacksonville, to New Orleans, to Baltimore. How do you feel about any of those games? You already lost to Baltimore here in Pittsburgh. They never play well in Oakland or Denver. Those are tough places to go and play. Denver is a tremendous atmosphere. Oakland's a different time zone. That Fs with teams all the time. Those games, even though you think that they might be two inferior opponents, are not going to be easy to win. New Orleans and Jacksonville are (laughs) objectively great teams. New Orleans, I think, is one of the best teams in football, and Jacksonville has one of the better defenses that you can possibly have in an era that is born for quarterbacks. It's tough to go to New Orleans and win. So the Steelers need to take care of business in their next six home games. they got to grow a flipping sack. That's the, I think, mantra for today's show. Put on the big boy pants and grow a flipping sack. Now, because you're a soft team. When you allow the opponent to come in here and push you around, not just on offense, but on defense too. Uh, The Steelers' offense hasn't been able to run the ball of late. Steelers' offense went three and out three straight times against Kansas City. Steelers' offense didn't score in the second half the last two football games they've played. This is a candy-ass football team right now, a soft football team, one that gets abused mentally and one that is getting abused physically as well and if you're a Steelers fan who has watched the team going back to the 1970s hell if you're a Steelers fan my age and has never seen a team with a losing record then this is embarrassing for you 412-922-2874 let's go to Devin next up on the Crowley show hello hey, pal. man I got a uh, I got a statement and a question which one do you want to uh, do first can I guess which one you want to do first statement. Because well, after I ask the question, guess. I'm going to hang up because I might make your head explode with the question. I'm ready for it. All right. The statement is, I looked at our schedule, dude. We're going to win like four games this year. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> the question is, it's not football. Is Tangers back? <laughs> Thanks for the call, uh, Devin. 412-922-2874. Tanger is 100% back because he's the erratic player that he's always been. But at least it looks like he's got some pep in his step and some confidence. And as much as Chris Letang 
has talked about the physical ailments that he's had to overcome and the inability to train and the time off being reasons for his inability to sustain success. I think that the biggest thing is that he believed all that, and it becomes a mental game, and you question, should I jump in on this play, should I not? You become flat-footed. You don't play the game the way that he's always played the game. Imagine if Troy Polamalu didn't have confidence. They're similar players to me. Troy's going to take risks. Sometimes he's going to get burned. More times than not, it's going to benefit the team. It's the same thing that happens with Chris Letang, and I think that right now he's got his confidence back. So he's going, I think, to play better hockey from this point forward. As for the Steelers' schedule, ha, 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 whoa, it's tough. It's really tough. I, I, I already mentioned the, the games they have to play on the road. Oakland and Denver, that's tough, even though those aren't great football teams. New Orleans and Jacksonville are great teams. That's difficult. Baltimore, who already beat the Steelers here at Heinz Field, you got them then on the road. And M&T Bank Stadium ain't an easy place to go. Then you've got New England coming here. You've got Carolina coming here. Steelers have to win on Sunday. They have to. Let's go to Anthony in Oakland. What's up, Anthony? You, you know, looking at the collective bargaining agreement and the franchise tag, I don't understand why Le'Veon Bell just doesn't come in now on Saturday. He'll get the two-week exemption, and they can evaluate what kind of physical condition he's in. And then when the bye week comes, he'll get paid for it. I, I don't understand that strategy that he's taking of waiting for two weeks. He should come in now because they do have the option of putting the two-week exemption on him. Yeah, that's why I think he wants to come back in week seven because I think he only cares about moving this season forward and it, it counting as far as the CBA is concerned. So if he comes back week seven, he'll still get paid for the bye week. If the Steelers want to slap him with the exemption for the next two weeks after that, then he'll still play six games. It'll toll against the CBA, and he'll be able to be a free agent at the end of the year. He has no interest in helping this team win in the present moment. Now, I think he will have an interest in helping the team win when he gets here, but first and foremost, he cares more about his body and what he thinks he's worth on the open market. Now, do I think it's a stupid business plan? Yeah, but convince him otherwise i don't think anybody can and adisa bakari his agent ain't doing him any favors no because if he came in with the two-week exemption he's not going to be playing all they're doing is assessing how he looks then he'll get paid with the bike because they could play hardball with that bye week so this just doesn't make any sense but you know what as i look at this team to me you know, a complete overhaul of the uh defense is next year i mean you have to you have to all the coaches have coaching is going to have to go and i am i am on board with that uh anthony without a doubt and i I start with joey porter at outside linebacker you bring in tom bradley he hasn't done much he's a college coach let's call spade a spade he's a college coach and so is the guy that they brought in kyle dunbar to coach the defensive line Uh, one of the biggest problems with the steelers right now is they're not getting enough pressure on the quarterback in my opinion they didn't at least last week and Last week they were dropping a bunch of guys in the coverage. You need your defensive line to play better. Well, they played 77 snaps on the defensive side last week. 77. It's a big number in the NFL. How many times was Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt on the field? 57. They missed 20 snaps. This isn't college. You can rotate defensive linemen every damn play if you want to when you coach at the University of Alabama, which is where Dunbar came from. But it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And while they have faith in Tyson Alu-Alu, the drop-off after that is a huge one. It's a big gulf. 
Dunbar is not doing this team any favors, and he thinks he is. Well, let's keep him rested for the end of the season. Let's keep him rested for plays late in games. Well, if you're losing by 12 like you were to the Ravens late in the game, it doesn't help you to have fresh defensive linemen. If you are 1-2-1 and one, four games through and you lose to the Atlanta Falcons, you ain't making the playoffs, and then what good does it do you that your players are fresh at the end of the year? No, you unleash the dogs, man, and you play your best players. That's how you win football games. In the offense, they've got their own problems there, too. Whether you want to put it on Randy Feetner or Ben Roethlisberger or whomever, Antonio Brown's not involved enough in this offense. This Steelers team is going to go down like the Titanic and not <laughs> use their best players. It's baffling. That's not to say Antonio Brown hasn't been targeted. He has a bunch. He's one of the most targeted receivers in the National Football League. They're not doing a good enough job of scheming him open. Well, at the same time, they're force scheming open little friggin' Ryan Switzer. Defense ain't playing their best players. Offense ain't playing their best players. It's no surprise the Steelers are 1-2-1. 1. 4 one 2 9 if you want to react. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next, we got Fat Jack from FatJackSports.com. He'll be handicapping some of the games for you. Great NFL slate. College, eh, it's okay. But you know what? It's about making money. It's Crowley Show.